Welcome to the Reunion Belleville podcast, a place where everyday people apprentice to Jesus. We're glad you pulled up a seat and we hope that today's lead-in encourages you to take your next step. Hey crew, I'm sorry we're a couple of days behind uploading our podcast or lead-in from Sunday, but we did take a break from the Revised Common Lectionary that we've been following for the year because Sunday was a significant day in our culture. It was the celebration of Mother's Day. And I thought, what better opportunity than to pay attention to maybe one of Jesus' most radical teachings? In fact, I believe that when you hear this story, like I did this week, you might think, I'm asking you to drink the Kool-Aid. Because Jesus' view of family is so radical to some of you, you're going to think, cult. <laughs> this teaching wasn't just radical to Jesus' community and culture. I really believe that, um, and I'm going to encourage you and invite you, and it will be challenging because it continues to be, I believe, one of Jesus' most radical callings. So if you want to grab your Bibles as you listen online, you can turn to Mark chapter 3. And as you do, I'm going to give you some context to the Jesus story we're going to be looking at. Because right before the passage in verse 21, we're going to pick it up. It's uh, Jesus is just returning back from the desert. He's maybe days or just a couple of weeks um, into his ministry And this is super early in his life as a rabbi and this new position he's taking. All of a sudden, Jesus goes from Jesus, a son of Joseph, down the street to this guy calling disciples, teaching with authority, and even healing people of their diseases. He's even casting out demons. What in the world's going on? In fact, this is what his family thought. If we pick it up in verse 21, Mark tells us, When his family heard about what Jesus was doing and saying, they went to take charge of him. That's right. It says that they went to take charge of him for they said he is out of his mind. If you thought Jesus had this easy picture, perfect family, think again. And so on this, as his family's on their way to take charge of Jesus, he's being attacked. He's in this house and the religious leaders are attacking him saying he's possessed. So Jesus is giving them a little bit of an education on how Satan works. But his family arrives outside and they send somebody in and um, as the crowd was sitting around, this person told them, your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. Verse 33, Jesus says in response, who are my mother and my brothers? Then he looked at those seated in the inner circle around him, his, his closest apprentices, and he says this and pay attention. Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. Wow. Let's pay. We're going to really pay attention to verse, verse 34. Then he looked at those seated in the circle, the closest circle around him. And he said this, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. If you've spent any time in the church or read the New Testament, you'll recognize the language of family in connection to apprenticeship or discipleship or what we refer to, of, of course, as, as living the way of Jesus and following his teachings and practicing. In fact, the early church writers in the New Testament used this connection between apprenticeship and family over 300 times. But, but what's the big deal? What's so radical about the nice, mushy feelings of family Friends being called into this inner circle that we call each other brothers and sisters in Christ, for example. Well, let me quickly exclaim a couple of, uh, a couple of important notes before, before you take a break um, on the podcast to maybe consider it for yourself. 
You see, first of all, in Jesus' time, and to be honest, still today, there are two types of group societies. They're called strong and weak group societies. Now, strong group societies make up the majority of the modern and 100% of the cultures in the ancient world. A strong group society can be defined like this. A person perceives themselves as a member of a group and responsible to the group for their personal choices and actions. That includes destiny, careers, development, and life in general. The individual person is embedded in the group and is free to do whatever they feel is right and necessary only if it is in accord with the group's norms and only if the action is in the group's best interest. This is from a professor and um, cultural expert, Bruce Molina. Boiled down the definition of a strong group society is that the group is greater than the individual. And this is what we see in most cultures still even in our world today, especially in Asian, African, and South American families where the larger group and certainly the core family and its needs outweigh any individual pursuit. And we see this already in the story of Jesus that we're looking at today because his, only, his own family story, here's what he is doing and he comes and they come to take control of him. Jesus, you're not representing the family, our values, our way of life, our best interest. So stop. We're coming to get you. We're coming to take control of you. As you consider the definition of the group being more important than the individual or this idea of a family taking control of a family member, how do you react? I got to tell you, this week as I was uh, reflecting on these realities, it kind of bit into my desire for autonomy and freedom because of this second group, the one in which we live in in Canada. We live in a what is referred to as a weak group society. A weak group society or culture, the Western world way of doing life, is simply defined as a group that places the individual autonomy, power of choice, and action over the needs of the group. So when we think of destiny, careers, development, and life in general, we think of it individually. We have been programmed to answer from a very early age, what do you want to be when you grow up? And this question is not one the majority of the world is is even given or asked. There is seldom a choice for the majority of the people in this world. Because the family or the strong group society will say, this is who you're going to be because this is what we need. Or this is who you're going to be because this is who we already are. And sociologists record that the weak group societies, as ourselves, we often look at strong group cultures with feelings or thoughts of oppression. When you heard that definition of a strong group or you heard of Jesus' family coming to take control or take charge of Jesus, did you not feel a sense of revolt or imprisonment or oppression to that idea? What do you mean we can't choose? What do you mean uh, we're free to do whatever we want as long as it fits the norm of the group or the best interest of so-and-so? To us in this weak group culture of North America or the Western world for that matter, it feels oppressive. It feels wrong. It feels icky. On the flip side, strong group cultures attribute the modern phenomenon of the collapse of the, the family and Western culture and much, much more as a result of our individual pursuits that usurp that take control or certainly precedent over the family or the group at whole. AKA, it's no surprise your lives are the way you are, the way they are because of the way you act. So when we think of freedom, we define that quite often to mean I can do whatever I want, but freedom to, to me in that definition is in stark contrast to how the Greeks and yes, even Jesus defined freedom. 
And so this is what makes the radical statement, whoever does the will of God is my brothers and sisters and mothers, so radical because Jesus is in a strong group culture using strong group language that does not include or seems to usurp or place an emphasis over his his own bloodline, his own core family, or the religious system that he was a part of. So a couple of things that I just want to continue to mention in regards to this strong group society and the implications that I think were so radical. And the first one is this, Jesus does not contradict the strong group society of his day. As we continue to read through the Gospels this year together, we will continue to see, as we already have, as in all of Jesus' teachings on family and community, Jesus gives. He never wavers from the strong group society in favor of a weak group individual, individualistic approach to life. Jesus always teaches a very high invitation and challenge for his followers to be defined as a family and operate within it according to the cultural norms of his day. For every positive family image and action Jesus calls his apprentices to, there are equally as many negative or expected responses from culture and family that he warns about. Like, for example, if you follow me, you'll have to place your family second. It will seem like you're hating them. Father will turn against sons and daughters will turn against mothers. And in fact, in Orthodox family cultures, even still today, if a child converts out of the faith, that family and that group, strong group society, will hold a funeral because that person is, is, according to that group, dead to the family. And this is the radical call of Jesus and his apprentices to enter into a strong group um, society where that, that individual or that individual is placed within the group and will see that group as their primary responsibility, that my actions ought to be conformed to my rabbi's teachings and the group's expectations in the group's best interest. Whew, that is, that is heavy and it sounds oppressive. <laughs> I'm sure it even sounds quasi-cult-like for us in a weak group society. So let's just have some fun and read that strong group um, society's definition and place our crew in that definition. For example, a person who perceives themselves as a member of our crew and responsible to our crew for their, is responsible to our crew for their personal actions, their destiny, their careers, development of life in general. The individual person is embedded, is deeply connected to the crew, and is free to do whatever they feel is right and necessary only if it's in accord with crew norms and only if the action is in the crew's best interest. I know, I know. Take a deep breath. Relax, relax. Take a deep breath and relax because I'm, I'm right here with you. This is an incredibly radical statement to me too. And I got to tell you, I was afraid to talk about it last Sunday, and I'm afraid I had some apprehensions. Maybe fear is not the right word, but certainly apprehensions of discussing it even online. Because I'm thinking some of us are going to hear this like I did this week and think, where's the Kool-Aid? Or, okay, so this is my last week because it digs at our freedom. It smells like a cult. It's not because of Jesus, but because we have been formed. We have been programmed and wired by a soft group society that says, no, you were created to be free. You were... Uh, to be you for the sake of even, for your sake, sorry, even if that means it's at the expense of others, including even your family, that you got to be you and you got to go after what's right or seems right for you as your primary, uh, as your primary method of living. 
But as we read this, as we do every week with Jesus stories, there's this incredible invitation, but there's an, this incredibly deeply challenging uh, statement that makes us rethink and is an invitation to be renewed into this vision of community or what God and the authors of the Bible time and time and time again refer to as Christ's family, the church. And so please, again, just take a deep breath with me and relax because as challenging as this is, it's good news because this is how Christ has operated. This is how we we see the fullness of the application of Christ giving himself up for the sake of his family. He places his own life at the mercy of the benefit of his new extended family. This is how God operates. This is how God has always operated, bending and shifting for the sake of his strong group culture, his strong group society, this family that God has been forming since the beginning. Dr. Gary Brashear says this, God is a family who makes family. And I love it because we have this vision that we do not attend church, but we are the church. We're a crew who share space on Sunday, sure, but more importantly, responsibility to one another throughout the week. And so when I think about my crew, I, I think about my primary group. I think about you as my family. The question is how, how, or better, what do we do with this teaching? Because I don't want to stand up, or as you're listening, as I'm sitting here recording this podcast for you, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and make some radical claim and demand some radical adherence. But I do want us to think, react, and respond to this strong group definition, this Jesus invitation, and what that might look like for our crew to continue to move in this direction. Because this is where we really began as a church plant, with this image in mind of being responsible to one another, to care and to love for one another. And so let's do that. And so on Sunday, I invited our groups to get into, um, I invited our individuals and our families to get into groups and to discuss a couple of, a couple of questions Assuming that Jesus is right. So let's let's start there. I'm not going to say you believe he is, but let's assume in this conversation that Jesus is right. That the church was designed and has been created to be a strong group family. And so let's start by trusting Jesus' words. Jesus believed this and as the apprentices, we are, as apprentices, we are called to do the same. And so let's start with the assumption that we agree with Jesus and let's ask some questions. Uh, just one basic question. When you think about a healthy family, how do they act? What are practices of a healthy family? And so as if, as you're listening online, if you want to pause this, I would encourage you just to pause it now and, and get a piece of paper and to jot down three or four or maybe more of things that as you think about a healthy family, what do they do? And I don't think necessarily mentalities as much as just practical actions. What does a healthy family do together? So as you considered those, as you wrestled through them, um, here's a couple of things that came up from our discussion and some input that I added to our group. But here's, um, again, here's the list. Some things that healthy families do. They eat together. This is an amazing thing because if you go and look at stats and some relationships between eating and healthy families, you'll see that this is absolutely true, that children who grow up in a family who consistently sit down at at dinner time to eat together, do better in school, they have better mental health and physical health, um, their capacity to, to stay away from certain activities increases, so their, their strength in being able to identify their personal like visions as it adheres to the families, but they're able to walk away from temptations uh, in a more uh, successful way. 
And so eating together. And so what does it look like for us as a crew to get back, to get back into the rhythm of eating together? I know it's already Thursday night as you're listening to the podcast, but if you're in the Bay of Quinty area in Belleville or beyond, um, my family opens up our home once a month for a potluck or a meal where we invite everyone to come over and to hang out with us. Just eat together and spend time around the table laughing and having honest conversations about our lives and, and reflecting and wrestling together. And so if you're interested in that, hit us up on our social medias or on our website. You can connect to us through there. And we'd love to send you an invite and an address specifically for, for that. But the second thing that was mentioned is that, yeah, healthy families spend a significant amount of time together. They're not just there once a week or for an hour here and there, but healthy families who are responsible and loving one another set a time for intentional time, not just... Um, time but intentional quality time you can have a quantity of time that's really not very good or you can have intentional quality time that doesn't have to be a a lot but it's still intentional and it's quality third thing is that healthy families are loving and affectionate to one another one thing that i added is that healthy families hold one another accountable and so from uh, from a church standpoint, that would sound like church discipline, and I know that that is not something that we've talked a whole lot about, but it, it can get our backs up, right? It can make us really uneasy. But here's some examples from the New Testament of church discipline that happened within the confines of the strong group loving family. Is that when it came to sexual immorality in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, there was church discipline. And Jesus talks about there would be church discipline if there's a lack of repentance, in Matthew 18, again, if there's uh, church discipline or there's accountability in regards to our unwillingness to even forgive. Uh, there's church discipline or accountability for people who teach false doctrine. You can see that in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. If there's divisiveness or a lack of unity in Titus chapter 3. Laziness or unwillingness to bear responsibility to help the group. And this is in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. And so... As we're a healthy family, we chip in to help each other, not just on a Sunday morning setting up, but uh, potlucks, we help do the dishes or we take out the trash or throughout the week, if we hear that somebody needs some help, we step up and we're, we're responsible for one another. We surround each other and we care by not just giving financially, but giving of our time and our love to one another. We went on to talk about how, again, that includes how we share our resources with one another. We don't just give financially, but it does mean we give financially, but it also means that we give of our time and our talents and our gifts to one another. We're here to help uh, support this group and have offer ourselves as a means of bringing stability to the group. It means that we also bear one another's burdens. We bear one another's burdens. So we're not just here to say, hey, how are you doing? We actually want to ask that question and be intentional uh, to listen, not just hear the response, but to listen. As a church, we healthy families make decisions together. It's not just you show up and say, hey, this is what we've decided to do, or this is what I'm going to do. Healthy families will sit down and they'll they'll say, here's, here's the option, and what do you think we should do, and what does that look like? And so as a church, I don't make the decisions for us as a, as a church family. We have a leadership team who represents our community, who help us do that, but with the real significant stuff, uh, we do have our family meetings where we get together around the table and we have those, those conversations that we make decisions together as a group. But we also release one another into their gifts or their passions so we can say things like, oh, I really see this in you. I think you'd be great at this and I want to encourage you to try that. But it can also mean that we can say, hey, like you've taken some ch chances doing that. Like you've given it a shot, but we really don't think that it's, it's really in your wheelhouse. 
And so we're free, we're free to, to try new things and to even fail because we know that there's ways in which we can provide help in a way that really fits into our giftings or our capacities. And the last one is that we're faithful to one another for the long term. It's not just a casual relationship that is here and there, but we're invested for a long term. And this is really actually important for us as a young church and any church moving forward and any group actually is that you can look at each other and say, yeah, it's not going to be easy. We're going to have our ups and downs. It's, it's certainly difficult at times. Church discipline or accountability, even within loving relationships, is not easy. It can be hurtful and painful. And we want to we wanna be uh, loving and gracious and merciful in that stuff and, and have Jesus at the center of it. But it's not easy. There's ups and downs emotionally. We get pulled away or whatever it might be. But at the end of the day, we, we continue to be committed to one another. We committed, committed to saying, okay, if this is a healthy thing and we want to be a part of it, then what does it look like for me to engage and, and take this seriously with my commitment? And so these are just some of the key characteristics that we see in the New Testament church and some that came up from our discussion as a big group. And of course, um, as a church plant, we're a couple years old. This, this stuff is exciting for us because we're, we're just getting to a point where we're starting to, to really grow. And so we really know each other. But as we grow and people continue to, to call reunion their crew, um, we want to hold steady to this idea that we are not just uh, people gathered around a table once a week, that we are a crew gathered around Christ, which makes us a family that we're responsible to. And so as you consider your life, um, as you consider your apprenticeship to Jesus, if you're online and you're listening and you're within this area, then we would love for you to come and spend some time with us. Get to know us and see if we are if we are that kind of crew that you could commit to and allow us to commit to you. And if you're not, if you're listening somewhere else, um, I would love to talk to you about um, some healthy churches in your area. And I would love for you to get connected to a like an in-person community if you feel safe enough. Because that's my final thing. I know that all of us come to this this idea of church family or family in general with some baggage, right? Like it can be difficult. It can be absolutely uh, terrible. Some of us have some real pain there and some wounds and scars. And so I understand that this language can be triggering and I'm sorry that that has been your experience. It was never God's will. But as we are continuing to, to, to discuss this resurrected Jesus and the renewal of all things, I believe that this is one of those areas that Christ wants to see healing take place in our society and absolutely in your life. And so I would love to talk to you online. We can do it through Zoom or we can meet for coffee in person. Or better yet, we would love for you to come to my house for dinner. But nonetheless, I would love to see you connect with a group of people who can love you and love you well. And you can return the favor. Thank you for listening to today's lead-in regarding Jesus and family and this radical call for us to become a strong group society. What is God saying to you and how are you going to respond? Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's lead-in. We pray that you were able to learn something about Jesus today, but equally important, we pray that you sense a step you might take in response. What would it look like for you to live with Jesus today in light of our discussion? You can learn more about our community at www.reunionbelleville.com and we're always here to walk with you. 